Thank you, worship team. I hope that you weren't just singing those words, but you were actually praying, Lord, have your way in me. Were you singing those words from your heart? I know it, it's, a, it's a very easy thing to do, to come in sometimes and just sing words. But when we think about what those words mean and we sing them to the Lord, because remember, we're singing really to one person. Amen? We're singing to the Lord. And, uh, and thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us in, in that. Some of you might be familiar with the Statue of Liberty. I'm sure all of you are at least somewhat familiar with you. How many of you have actually seen the Statue of Liberty? All right, several of you have. The Statue of Liberty, since 1886, has towered above Bedloe Island uh, near the entrance to New York Harbor, and it's become a great American symbol of freedom. I don't know if you know the backstory behind it, but uh, Bartholdi was uh, the sculptor who devoted 20 years of his life to this one sculpture. Can you imagine that? 20 years of his life he dedicated to this one sculpture. He raised over $4 million. That's a lot of money today. That was even more money back then, right? Even more than the Louisiana Purchase, if you can, so to put it into perspective. And so you put, uh, you put this into, into perspective. This was quite a feat. But you know that coming up with a model to become the person whose face we would see for all these years, coming up with a model was actually quite a controversial subject. And uh, they wanted a model who would represent liberty and freedom, respect, love, acceptance. And so all sorts of different, different potential models came to the, to the surface of who they thought it should, should be the model for this great sculpture. And they came up with all these, these female heroes of the day. But in the end, do you know who Bartholdi chose? He chose his own mother. And that's the face that we see to this day. He chose to honor his mother in such a way. Why? Because when he thought of all of those things, who came to his mind first? His mom. His mom did. So today I just want to say, Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers that are here today. We really do appreciate you. You know, I'm not convinced, though, that, that Mother's Day gets the attention that it actually deserves. Any, any other, men, this is your chance to say amen, right? This is, all right, there, good. Throwing you a softball here, guys. Come on. And, uh, but this, is, this is, is not a day that gets the, really the amount of attention that it deserves. In fact, I looked, at a, uh, looked up all the holidays that, that happened just in May, um, and, I, and, I, and I had this feeling like, boy, it's just overwhelming. Have you ever felt like there are just too many holidays? Anyone else feel like that? I mean, here, here's, here's May. I know you can't read all those because it's in too small of a font. But th these are the holidays that we find in May. Now, up in the upper left-hand corner and the upper right-hand corner, those are all of the national something or other month, right? National something or other month. You know there's 20 of those for May? So there's 20 things that you didn't know you were supposed to be celebrating, right? Well, you guys are, are, are behind the ball probably. I mean, this is National Better Sleep Month. I've been working at that. I'm trying to, you know. Uh, and it, it's also National Good Car Care Month. I don't know what I've done for that. And I know that you've all paid attention to this. It's National Fungal Infection Awareness Month. And uh, so watch for those fungal infections, everybody. See, I'm one step closer to celebrating all the things that I'm supposed to be celebrating this month, right? And that's just the national whatever month. That's what we're supposed to be celebrating in, in the month of May. Uh, it's also Wildflower Week. You know, how many of you have been celebrating Wildflower Week? 
Oh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yep. And uh, wildflower week. But if you also add up just the number of days where it's, it's, such, it's supposed to be a holiday for that day, just in May, there are 99 other cell, er, holidays in May. We're just talking May. And, uh, for example, May 3rd is Lumpy Rug Day, right? May 15th is National Bike to Work Day, which for some reason, Pastor Tim's been doing that, practicing that all month, right? For those who don't know, he has not been allowed to drive since his uh, seizure, so I just have to poke a little fun at him. Um, or the 11th is, is, is National Eat What You Want Day, which I have been celebrating all month. So I love that day. And, uh, you know, so, it, so the question is, is Mother's Day just another one of those frivolous holidays? absolutely is not. It, do we look at it as, as, as just another one of those many holidays that we're supposed to celebrate? You know, like National Sea Monkey Day or, or National Lost Sock Day. I'm not kidding. Those are on there. And, no. In the sea of frivolous holidays, it would be easy to lose sight of the things that are really important. But Mother's Day is not one of those days, which is why today I want to honor motherhood. Did you know that we've been commanded by God to honor motherhood? Didn't we? In fact, if, uh, if we look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we read, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For those who, who know Exodus pretty well, Exodus 20, where is that? I heard someone say it. It's the Ten Commandments, all right? These are one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long on the land that God is giving to you. I used to think as a kid that that meant honor your father and mother or they will shorten your lifespan. <laughs> but that's not really what it's saying. The point is that God will lengthen your days. God will do that. Why? Because he wants you to honor the authorities and, and the people that he has put in your lives that have such a special role. One of the things I think that's interesting too as I read this is it doesn't mention them together. It doesn't say honor your parents. Uh, see, there are the things that apply to parents in Scripture, and, and those things, they all apply the same. For example, uh, Ephesians 6.1 says, Children, what? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, but here, it lists them separately because they deserve a little bit of their own separate attention. Does that make sense? So children, you need to obey your parents, whether it's, it's your mom or your dad, Right? I didn't hear any amen. Come on, guys. Right? All right. Yeah, you have to obey your parents. It doesn't matter if it's mom, dad, you need to obey your parents. But when it comes to honoring, this is something that that the scripture says we need to honor our fathers. We need to honor our mothers. It gives a little extra emphasis to to show the difference between them and how how we're to be honoring our mothers and our fathers. So... Today, let's recognize our mothers for the special roles that God has given to them. I'd like to title this message, Four Reasons We Should Honor Our Mothers. Four Reasons We Should Honor Our Mothers. There's more than four, but I know that if we don't get out of here in time for you guys to get to the restaurants, then you're going to be waiting for a long time. So I'm going to limit it to four today, but these are four things that we can, that we can find scripturally where we are to, uh, to honor our mothers. I do want to say too, as we as we look at this, I, 
this, this is something that has an application for every single one of us. How many of you here have or at least have had at some point in the, in the past a biological mom? <laughs> All right, good. I'm glad to hear to see that about 80% of you. I don't know what to think about the other 20%, but, uh, but I'm glad that most of you have biological moms. So this, I want you to think about the fact of your, your parents, your, uh, even, whether they're with you today or not, whether they're on earth or in heaven, wherever, I want you to, to, to honor them today. But we also have many of you in here that are moms, less than half of us, right, at least. But I want you also to, to just take joy in knowing that God honors what you're doing and we honor it too today. Number one, number one reason that I, want, I think we should honor our, our moms is because our mothers gave birth to us. That sounds like a simple thing. It's the obvious thing, but you know what? Oftentimes, we don't really take the time to thank our mothers for what they did. I look at, uh, think of, of uh, the first mother, Adam and Eve. Do you know how long it took in Scripture before you see a man giving honor to a woman in Scripture? You don't have to go very far, do you? In fact, in Genesis... Chapter 2, verse 23, we read this. This is the first time Adam even saw his, his wife. And we read, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The very first time Adam saw Eve, he breaks out into Hebrew poetry. Right? He, he recognized her value. He lifted up her value. And recognize that she is bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Any idea of, of one gender having superiority over the other? No, that's blown out of the water in Genesis 2. Actually, it's blown out of the water in Genesis 1. But we see man recognizing that in Genesis 2.23. When he recognizes the value of his wife, his counterpart. And he honored her for that. But you know, the very next time we find a man honoring a woman in Scripture, you know how far we have to go? Genesis 3, right? Less than one chapter. And we read in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. It's interesting, too, that he named her that before, under, before really understanding all of it. She, she hadn't born children yet, right? But it's interesting, too, when you look at the context of this, uh, when, when he called her the mother of all the living, uh, we find in the context of, of, of Genesis 3, it's the context of the curse. Remember in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve both partook of the, the, the I almost spoke in Spanish there, I don't know what's going on there, uh, but took of the, the fruit that was prohibited from them, the forbidden fruit. They sinned, they brought sin into, into the world. And so God passed out a judgment upon the serpent. He passed a, a judgment upon Adam as the man and on Eve as the woman. There, was a, there's a, there are consequences for sin, right? We're talking about that in Romans 1. And, and as he passed them out he, to, to Adam, he, he made his job harder. As, as the, the main provider of the family, he made that job harder by cursing the ground. He said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to provide for your family now. For the mother is that nurture, 
uh, he made her job more difficult too. And he gave, gave this curse and he, to the woman. He said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to your children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And, and so we see that this is the part of the curse. And then we read a couple verses later, a couple verses later, verse 20, where, where Adam recognizes, wow, Eve is going to be the mother of all the living. And he had a newfound respect for what that meant. Does that make sense to us? He recognized that, wow, she is going to give birth. It's painful, and she does it. And she does it, and she does it out of love. So at the curse, childbirth became an extremely painful thing. You know, Jesus himself used this analogy in John 16, 21. This is what he said. He said, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. That tells you something about a mother, doesn't it? In spite of all of the pain. Now, I was present for all three of the births of my children, and it was excruciatingly painful. And I'm talking about me. Right? It was worse for her. Right? But I can attest that this verse is true. The moment that you have that opportunity to hold that baby in your arms, it's all the pain in the world doesn't matter. In fact, I remember my wife saying once, uh, she said, Oh, that wasn't so bad. I could do that again. Right after having a, a child. And that's epidural talking right now. <laughs> Why? It's, it's, you know, but there's something about a mother's heart that looks past all of that pain because of that love that they have for their child. Right? And, uh, and, and that's part of a mother's heart. Whether it's a biological mom or not, it's that, it's that, st- that love that you see that the, that the mom has for the child. And we ought to be thankful for that. We ought to honor that. Adam recognized it right away and said, she needs to be honored for that. And that's why he called her Eve, the mother of all the living. So that's that's the first reason. And that's probably the most obvious one. But I would say the second reason uh, that we should honor our mothers today is because mothers are nurturers to their families. It's not just birth. They don't stop at birth. They're nurturers to their families. I think one of the, the, the best examples we find in 1 Samuel chapter 1. You know the story of Hannah and Elkanah, her husband. Hannah wanted to have a child for a long time. She was praying for a child. And uh, in, this, in this case, the Lord granted her a child. In, in verse 21 of uh, 1 Samuel 1, we read, uh, we read this. It says, now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. goes on in verse 23. She says, so El- uh, It says, So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Here we get this image of, of the husband going off and doing the things that he, that he does. He's doing the things that he needs to do. What is the priority of Hannah? She loves her child so much. She's taking care of him. 
I'll go with you when the child's ready. She's taking care of her son. She knew that her son would one day go there and stay there because her son would one day become a priest. And she knew, she knew that was the plan. The Lord had already revealed that to her, but we see that nurturing image of a mom. Just taking care of her, of her child. You know, this nurturing image is what we saw multiple times in the video, this image of a bear and her cubs or, or, a, chick with a, or a hen with her chicks. We, we see this nurturing image to reflect the glory of whom? Of God. God chooses to reveal himself. That's what it may, means to be made in his image. We reflect the image of God, right? And we read, we talked about this last week. God made man, God made woman. Which one reflects the image of God? Both. And this is one of the ways in which, which the image of God is reflected to us. We see that nurturing side of a woman. In fact, it becomes the model for ministry too. It becomes the model for ministry in 1 Thessalonians 2.7. This is what we read. I don't know how well you can read that from there, but it says, But we were gentle among you. This is Paul talking to the Thessalonians. Just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. It becomes the model for ministry. How has God called me to love you? Is, 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 this, is, this is my mission field? Or when I was in Costa Rica, how God caused me to love the people in, in the church of Roca Viva in Costa Rica? How God, it's, it, the model for me is found in motherhood. That, that affectionately loving them, imparting not only the gospel, but imparting our very own lives. What a model for us, our mothers have been. Amen? And, uh, and so they, they invest, I like the way it says, they invest their very own lives. They give their lives to their children. You know, this is not true just in infancy. But look how the woman of noble character in Proverbs 31, you're familiar with Proverbs 31 and the woman of noble character, and it describes her through this chapter. Um, look how she nurtures her family. You don't have to turn there right now. I'm just going to read a couple excerpts from that Verse 15 says, She gets up while it is still night, and she provides food for her family. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and, and grasps the, uh, the spindle with her fingers. I like that imagery because they're using two hands to do two different things. Multitasking is what moms do, right? Isn't that true? And as a man, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for us to do two things at, at one time. Isn't it? If, if, uh, in fact, there's a, a Tim Hawkins, he's a Christian comedian, he talks about that. Look it up on YouTube today and you'll get a good kick out of it what, about men trying to multitask like women. <laughs> we just can't do it. And, and so we see that imagery. It goes on to say, in verse 21, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet, she makes coverings for her bed, and she's clothed, or, and she is clothed in fine linen and purple. She's taking care of her family. She's the one that makes sure that the kids don't come to church, you know, looking like they just got out of bed. All right. In fact, I'll be honest; I didn't even see my kids until they showed up at church today. Because right? I come, I usually come pretty early. My wife's taking care of all of that. That's just the nature of them. It's that woman's touch. 
mean, let's be honest. If guys had to decorate their homes, our living rooms would, would look like locker rooms. Right? Isn't that true? But why don't they? Because there's a woman's touch that's valuable. It's something to be honored and praised. And God praises the, the woman of noble character for that. It goes on to say she, she watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And listen to this, kids. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. The Bible says very clearly, this is praiseworthy. I reminded a couple kids just because as kids come in, I talk to them and I said, now did you wish your mom a happy Mother's Day? <laughs> Why? Because this is praiseworthy. The things that they do are praiseworthy. Then it goes on to say in verse 29, Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. But you excel them all. You know, I'm not convinced that our culture lifts up the right things. They don't praise the right things. And there, this is something to be praised, and our culture doesn't praise that. In fact, if there was a Woman of the Year award, like there is a, a Man of the Year or a Person of the Year award, I'm not convinced that I would agree with whoever would be chosen. Is that right? Is that okay to say? Because I think that, that people would lift up either politicians or actresses or something like that. And, and your ability to pretend, uh, as, a, as in the case of actresses, or your ability to pretend, if you're a politician, <laughs> is that really the most honorable character traits? But the ability to nurture a family, now that is something. I would, rec I would definitely nominate my wife or my mom to be in those positions. And there are lots of ladies here that I know that you, you should be nominated for that as well. But the world sometimes doesn't see those things. But we do. And God does. And God sees those things. Mothers are the primary caretakers. When you really think about it, they're the primary caretakers. And they foster a healthy home environment. The third thing, the, uh, the third reason... Mothers see potential in their children even when no one else does. Isn't that true? They always see the best. They always see potential. They see us in our worst moments and they still see potential. I think of the story of uh, Isaac and Rebecca in Genesis 25. Remember they had twins. And uh, their names were Jacob and Esau. Then we read this. So when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth... Indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red, which apparently was supposed to be a good thing back then, so, uh, in the sense of, he was red, red-haired, is really what it's talking about. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau, which, is, which just means red. And uh, so, he, so he was hairy. He was, um, um, verse 26, afterward his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60, uh, 60 uh, years old when she bore, or excuse me, uh, Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Now when you think about that, this is interesting because Esau read, and the idea was, was actually that he saw potential in, in Esau right away. He's this, this hairy guy, uh, hairy kid. Then he, named, he names him Esau, which is kind of a strong name. Then he sees the one grabbing the heel of the other, and he names him Jacob, which doesn't sound like a bad name. In fact, I know lots of Jacobs, and it's a good name. There might even be some Jacobs in here. 
But the word itself and the root means deceiver. It means, it means the one who's trying to catch up with the other person. The one who's trying to, uh, uh, to work, or not, instead of working his way towards something, deceive his way towards something. It's ironic, too, when you think about the, the, the story of Jacob, right? And, uh, and we see that it goes on to say, So the boys grew, and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved who? Esau. Where did the, did the father see potential? He saw potential in one of his twins. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But guess what? Rebekah loved Jacob. She saw potential. Even though he didn't ma- measure up to what, what, what her husband's thoughts of what a, a man should be, she looked at him and said, I love him. She saw potential in him. And you know what? God did too. In spite of some of the things that, that he did in his life, God saw him. And in fact, Jacob later on changed his name to what? Or God changed Jacob's name to what? To Israel. The name that his children would bear from that point on. And we see that in the mom. You know, you've heard the, 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 the phrase, a face that only a mother could love? Right? How many of you heard that before? Right? Okay, we've all heard that. And the idea behind that is that regardless of what a baby looks like, okay, they see the potential. It doesn't matter. Moms see the potential. I did a little internet search on a face that only a mother could love. And I found three categories of pictures, right? Three categories of pictures. One, ugly animals. Right? Ugly animals. That was one of them. Number two, ugly babies. Sorry. Sorry. The third category was pictures of this guy. Yeah. Then I found out I should not do that. That's that's very cruel to the animals. Uh, but uh, sorry, Alan, I had to do it. And uh, you know, the last time I ripped on him from from the pulpit, uh, I found a ton of forks in my office, and we're short on forks, so had to, had to do it again. Okay, so there weren't there weren't three categories because I found out that. The babies and the pictures of Alan were actually the same pictures. Um, but okay, so I that's enough. <laughs> no, it is a lie. It is a lie. But but there's a truth behind it that mothers see us in our worst moments, right? And all they see is potential. And, and in fact, sometimes, uh, kids, when, when it seems like your, your moms might be hard on you, it's because they see where, the, where you can be, and they want to push you there, they want to get you there. And, and so don't, don't hate them for it. Love them for it. Appreciate it. Because where you are in life, it's going to come much from them. In fact, what I consider to be our greatest president in the United States, Abraham Lincoln. You know, I may have gone too far ahead. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, bring, I'll bring that up later. Sorry. <laughs> but what you are, or what you will become, has much to do with your moms. The fourth reason, the fourth and last one I want to bring up is mothers instill faith into their children. Mothers instill 
faith into their children. In 2 Timothy 1, Paul was talking to, to a disciple of his, Timothy. And Timothy and Paul were very close. In fact, Timothy is one of those ones that Paul invested his life in. He, he took a motherly role with, with Timothy and trained him to become a young pastor. And Timothy then became a pastor. And this is what we read in 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5. We read, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Get a sense of just that intimate relationship between Paul and Timothy there, don't you? And then we read this in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. He's honoring not just the mother, but the grandmother. Where did that faith that he saw in Timothy's life come from? It came from Eunice, his mom. And where did that faith come from? From Lois, her mom. And, and we see that role of faith being passed down from one generation to another generation. And moms, you play a crucial role in that process. You instill faith in us. And here's the Abraham Lincoln quote. He, wrote, he, he said this, I remember my mother's prayers. And they have followed me. They have clung to me all of my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. The greatest president, and he recognized that the faith that he had, he saw because he saw his mom and heard his mom praying for him. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends, he's a pastor, and uh, or actually I worked on staff with him for many years, Pastor Pine. He's now uh, a professor out at uh, Baptist Bible College summit university now it's called Um, he told me that the most impactful thing in his life was every time he woke up early he would come downstairs and he would hear his parents praying for him and his siblings he said that instilled a faith in him that has carried him through his years of ministry because of the faith that he received from his parents who prayed for him diligently Mothers instill faith into their children. Now, some of you today might be thinking, you know, my mom didn't do all of those things. Right? Well, no, nobody's perfect, and there are no perfect parents, right? And, and, and that's okay. There is no such thing as a perfect parent. But remember, just for even giving birth to you, which all of us had someone do that, that was something that the Bible says this is honorable. This needs to be honored. And to whatever degree your mom reflects any of those things, it's worthy of honoring and praising. Is it not? It might be a challenge. As, as moms, boy, the, the Lord puts a pretty high bar there for, for you. Does he not? Say, oh, I'm, I, this is my goal. This is my challenge. And I'm going I'm to strive to do more of that. But for, for all that you do, we are appreciative. We're appreciative for 
the fact that you gave birth to us. We're appreciative because of the nurture that we've received. We're appreciative because of the potential that you, that you have seen in us when no one else does. And we appreciate you because of the faith that you've instilled in our lives. Moms, we are so thankful.